Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Azrin the Language Nerd here. I'm the owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's podcast episode. I want to do something that I did about one or two weeks ago, and I find it's a really useful format for my content, especially these podcasts, where essentially I walk you through what I did in a day, and I walk you through some of the learning points that I had going through different elements or different parts of my day. So I have so many language learning, language learning related things I do in a day. And when I just take 10 minutes to go through my day and talk about the things I did and what was standing out for me throughout those activities, I think there's a lot of learning points that you guys can take away from, from whatever I did in a particular day. So today, as I'm recording this, it's Thursday night. It's actually technically Friday. So I'll take you through my Thursday, basically what I did. So the first two things I had were a couple of meetings with my tutors. I like to have weekly meetings with my tutors. They're pretty short. They're about 15, 15 minutes or so, maximum 30 minutes. And it's a chance for us to discuss the students they had last week, what classes they taught, what dates they taught the classes, any housekeeping items about those lessons, uh, <clears throat> if they need any help with lesson prep, things like that. It's just a little touch point that I do in small groups with my tutors. And um, yeah, that happened this morning. I will say, I'm trying to think about this and you guys can get an insight into something going through my mind. I'm trying to think if I actually want to keep doing these weekly meetings. I'm trying to think if, if, if I need to keep them or if there's another way for me to go about go about keeping in touch with my tutors, I suppose. I'm brainstorming that at the moment, but I haven't really come to any conclusions. From there, I ate some breakfast and then I had to go teach Spanish for a few hours. One of the things that was standing out to me when I was teaching today was just how much of a difference it makes. Uh, just, I'm sorry, just how much a difference age makes when learning a language. Because when I was teaching Spanish this afternoon, I taught some young children, I taught some older children in about grade four, and then I taught some older, older, teach, older, older children, really teenagers, kind of 14-year-olds. And it's just crazy how much faster, the older you are, the faster you tend to learn. The older you are, the faster you tend to learn. At least when we're talking about people in their school age, when you're looking at people that are, let's say, between the ages of five to let's say 17, 16, maybe even 18, like the older you get, the faster you tend to learn. Now, in my experience, when you, when you get into adulthood, that doesn't necessarily apply. I think within adults, at least in my experience, most adults tend to learn at roughly speaking the same speed. Some people learn faster than others, but generally speaking, you don't see an increase or decrease in learning speed as people get older once they've hit adulthood. Um, there are some, there's one particular exception with that, which is when people hit their senior years. If they've started to see some cognitive decline uh, in their, in other aspects of their life, sometimes I'll see that in language learning too. So if you have a 79 year old man that is bluntly put, I don't know if there's a more polite way to say this, there probably is, but it's not coming to mind now, but a 79 or 89 year old man who is 
I hate to say it this way, but starting to lose their marbles in a sense. They're forgetting things. They don't communicate clearly anymore. They're not as sharp as they once were. In those kinds of situations, I will see them uh, struggle to learn a language or rather they'll learn a bit slower than your typical adult. But for most adults, I find that they learn at roughly speaking, roughly speaking the same speed. But in those children age, basically under 18, boy, it's crazy how much faster people learn when they're older. So from there, came home, I ate, uh, got changed into more comfortable clothes because I was teaching in person, so I was dressed up a bit better. And I had a meeting with a new, a new student this evening. That went, that went pretty well. One of the things standing out from that meeting is how important, or not, not important, but how useful it can be for language learners to use a checklist. To use a checklist. I've never shared this piece of advice before because it's only, it's only, it's something I've only started doing recently. So what I've started doing is I will create a checklist that has measurable outcomes that the student is working toward. So for a beginner student, you might have something like, on the checklist, you might have something like, be able to say, my name is Azarin. You might have something like, be able to say, I am from Canada. Be able to ask and answer, where are you f excuse me, where are you from? There might be something like, uh, study the theory of the present tense. There might be something like, be able to say 10 or more sentences using the present tense. There might be whatever. There's a million and one things that could be on that list, depending on your level, your learning outcomes, your learning needs, etc. But I have been finding that quite helpful, especially for those that want to see measurable progress. A while back, you guys might remember this. I don't remember exactly which podcast it was in, but there was a podcast episode maybe three months ago where I was talking about how I created a a level assessment process that is arguably more accurate than other level assessment prog other level assessment processes I've seen on the internet or that I've seen other people do. And it's interesting because this checklist concept that I've started to do, I think is a I think is more practical than a typical a typical approach to level assessments and picking what one should study. What I mean by that is a lot of people, what they will do is they will do a level assessment of some form, whether it be they enroll in a school and the school does a level assessment, whether it means they do a level assessment online, whether it means they download an app and based on the level the app determines for them, they will pick what con the app will select what kind of concepts they should be learning. People will select the concepts they should learn primarily based on level, which makes sense. And level should be something that's taken into account. But I was recently what I've been realizing is while level is something that should be taken into account, the hypothesis I'm playing with at the moment is that instead of selecting the topics you study based entirely upon your level, I think the topics you study should be based upon the things that you would like to be able to accomplish in the target language. Let me say that again. This is the first time I'm, I'm articulating this, so I think in time I might be able to articulate this more clearly, but I'll say that again. 
instead of basing the things that you learn on what your level is, I think there's a case to be made to organize your studies based on the things that you would actually like to learn. And there's a small difference there. So I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an example. I have a new student who's going to be starting up with one of my tutors this Sunday. It's going to be her first class. I've met with her twice. Once was just the initial consultation. The second time was a chance for us to do a level assessment and for us to create her curriculum. Her level assessment basically demonstrated that she is at a pretty darn beginner level. She's, I don't know, half a step above an absolute beginner. So she, she's not an absolute beginner, but she's pretty darn close. And we started to create her curriculum together. So I said, listen, at a beginner level, here are some topics that I think make sense. We were making this in a checklist format so she could, over time, we can start to check things off her list. Like, yes, you can do this. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you can now do this. And the funny thing or the interesting thing is a lot of the things on her checklist would not typically be things that would show up anywhere near, um, not anywhere near, that the topics we picked would not be things that a beginner would typically work on. So for instance, she shared with me that she speaks with a family member uh, basically every day, and this family member speaks the target language that she's learning. And she said that they'll often even use a little bit of the target language. And so what we actually decided to focus the initial three to six months of lessons on is her being able to nail those conversations. So we talked about her having migraines, because she gets a lot of migraines. So I put that on the list. We have things about food, because they do talk about food a lot. And so the things that she learns would never show up in the beginner section of a textbook, for example. But they're going to be things that she's going to learn right off the bat, because they interest her, they're relevant to her. And there's a way for her to go about having those conversations and creating a very tailored approach. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. So that was, uh, that was a meeting I had today, and that's what I learned from that. After that, I had a couple, of, uh, a couple of lessons. After that, I had a French lesson and an English lesson. Nothing major standing out from those classes. Um, the biggest thing, I suppose, would be the French lesson I taught. She's a long-term French student I've had. And she is a prime example of a prime example of of consistency and effort taking you a long way. She has made gradual improvements over the past three years, and she is a completely different student than she was level wise and fluency wise. She's a completely different student than she was three years ago, but it's been gradual, very gradual, incremental progress. A tip that you may want to try yourself is something that she that she has been doing with me for God at least a year I want to say is she'll do writing assignments and I will correct them every class and we will track using a color coding system in other words I will correct her writing but I'll I will I will highlight all the mistakes she made a, a certain color and we do that every week. So what happens is we can look back at her writing from a year ago and I can see you can visually see quickly how many mistakes she used to have because we've left them highlighted in comparison to now. 
And now she makes, God, she makes, I don't know, five mistakes in a three-paragraph, two-paragraph piece of writing. Whereas before, she would make 32 mistakes in a shorter piece of writing than that. And not to mention nowadays, it doesn't take her nearly as long to write as it used to. So that's just a prime example of someone who has demonstrated that if you're consistent over a number of years, it, 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 it will have positive results. It will have positive results. And I understand some people hear years and, be, and they feel discouraged. They feel discouraged that, wow, I have to dedicate years towards my target language. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Well, well, the reality is that you may not have to do years, but you do have to understand how many hours it tends to take people to reach different levels of proficiency. And so if you do want it to take less than three years, two years, four years, X number, if you want it to take a certain amount of time, you need to do some math to say how many hours will it, how many hours will I need approximately? I want to do that in six months. So how much practice slash study do I have to do on a daily and weekly basis? If you go to my website, azrinthelanguagenerd.com slash 250, so it's A-Z or Z-R-E-N, thelanguagenerd.com slash 250, as in 250, the numbers. There's a really useful page I put together that goes through some, some basics about second language acquisition. And one section on that, on that page is talking about approximately how long it takes people to progress to different levels of proficiency in another language. So that might be something you want to check out to figure out, okay, roughly how long will it take me to become conversational or very fluent or just to get by when traveling or, or bilingual, completely bilingual? How long, how long does it take approximately? And you can start to map out your language learning journey. And from there, I had another weekly meeting with one of my, one of my tutors. And so that went pretty well. The biggest thing standing out for that is I haven't met this guy in person. He lives in my city, but we've only ever met online. And I'm excited because I will likely be meeting him in person for the first time in about two weeks because uh, I am resuming my social events for language learners here in Calgary. If you didn't know, I and you probably know this if you've listened to the podcast for a while, I used to do before COVID weekly social events slash drop-in classes for language learners here in my city. And they've been all but paused the in-person ones anyway, since COVID. And in April, I'm going to be resuming them. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And uh, he, this individual who works for me here, he said that he should be able to make it. So I'm excited. That'll be a lot of fun to meet him. And it'll be fun to have something social to do with with the language learning community here in Calgary, again, for the first time in quite some time. There's a really cool place that I am looking at there's a few places actually but one of the places is this living room it's basically a living room you can rent which sounds really odd but it's like a living room you can rent and it's not too expensive and it's designed really well the colors are nice the furniture is the furniture is nice there's a nice view outside and there's a little there's kind of a kitchen area too in case you want to make some food or bring some food uh the lighting's really nice and it's there's a cool vibe to it it's it's a swanky little place and it's like a living room it's 
it's like a mini apartment, actually, really. It's like a small little apartment sort of thing. And it's just for people to rent it out for like a night and for people to host events there. And so I've hosted some events there in the past, and that's one of the venues I'm looking at. If not, I'm going to go to a pub that I like to go to where I'm going to do one of the two. And so that was basically my day. It seems like a less busy day than usual. I did some other things that were not meeting related or class related, but those are the main meetings and classes I had. It seems like a lighter day than usual for some reason, even though it really wasn't. And tomorrow, let me take you, let me take you through some highlights for tomorrow. I have a couple of classes in the morning. I'm then going to see a friend of mine who I haven't seen in... I haven't seen him in person for something like six years. We talk on Zoom once every couple of months. And we've done that since about 2017. So it's been a long time since we've been doing that. <clears throat> and so I get to see him. He's flying into Calgary. I'll be picking him up from the airport. And we're going to spend some time and hang out and catch up. So that'll be a lot of fun. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of the main highlight tomorrow. So I guess we'll wrap this podcast up. It's pretty late at night, so I should hit the sack, as as people say. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll speak soon. Bye for now. See you.